Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Judges chapter 11. Judges 11. I know you've been standing a while. I am going to read a few verses. If you need to be seated, you can. If not, I'm going to read quickly. Judges 11, beginning with verse 1. I need somebody to preach with me today. Hallelujah. Now Jephthah the Gileadite, he was a mighty man of valor. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he was a mighty man. But he was the son of a harlot. Gilead beget Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out. Why? He was the son of a harlot. He was despised. He was an outcast. So they said to him, you shall have no inheritance in your father's house, for you are the son of another woman, not just another woman, son of a harlot. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers, dwelt in the land of Tob. Pay attention to this. And worthless men, not good men, not honorable men, not noble men, worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. And it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, come, be our commander. And here's the reason why that we may fight against the people of Ammon. They knew who Jephthah was. They knew that he was a mighty warrior. They knew that he was a man of valor. They knew he knew how to fight. So they sought him out. Verse 7, so Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me? Did you not expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, this is why we've turned again to you now that you may go with us, there's that word, to fight. You're a fighter. To fight against the people of Ammon and to be our head above or over all the inhabitants of Gilead. I want to preach today, and it's going to be a two-week series, I believe, but I want to preach today, it's not time to be civilized. It's just not time. It's too much at stake. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, somebody call on the Lord with me and let's invite him to do what he wants to do. Oh, I need the anointing, but why don't you pray that your ears would be anointed as well. Jesus, Jesus, have your way here. God, mighty God, mighty God, Mm. speak to us today and let us hear your voice. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. To claim to believe in Jesus 
hear me, it's, it's just not enough. Just merely believing, just simply believing, it's not enough. Because the call of Jesus is a demanding call. It's a call to be all in. It's a call to commitment. The call of Jesus demands action. It demands obedience. The call of Jesus demands sacrifice. Let me remind you today that Jesus began his public ministry with a simple invitation. He said these words over and again. He said, come and follow me. That's what he, that's what he would say. That's what he said to the disciples. Come and follow me. Leave your mother. Leave your brother. Leave your family behind. Leave your job, your occupation. Leave your way of life. Come and follow me. Then near the end of his time on earth, the closing instructions that he left to the, to the disciples was go. So it was follow was one bookend, and it was go was the other bookend of Jesus. But listen, just a quick survey of the modern church would lead us to believe that Jesus' invitation wasn't follow and go, but instead it was sit and stay. Just be a good puppy. Sit and stay. Yet Jesus called his followers. He said, take up your cross. You want to be one of mine, there's going to be a cross involved. If you want to walk in my footsteps, there's going to be a cross involved. He called us. He said, you know what? If you're going to be a follower, you got to take out your sword. And you've got to be ready to fight because we're in something called the good fight of faith. No, our, our weapons aren't like the modern weapons of conventional warfare, but can I remind somebody today that our weapons are mighty? They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the fact of the matter is you need some weapons if you're going to make it through. I need some weapons if I'm going to come out on the winning side because we are indeed in a war. This isn't war games that we're in. We're not in a pretend battle, but hear me today. We are in an all-out war with eternal implications. But if we are not careful, church, there's a temptation that will begin to creep in just to be proper, just to be reserved, just to kind of have a form of godliness but leave the power aside. There is a temptation just to have nice church. And there's a temptation, temptation just to kind of to kind of go through these motions and to stay in this place that is comfortable for to our flesh. But I'm preaching against that today. I'm coming against that in the name of Jesus. That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God for the life church. Listen. The ministry of Jesus was characterized by transformation. Everywhere he went, he changed lives. When you had an encounter with Jesus, you left different. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? 
He is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Can I get a witness of anybody? Is there anyone here today who's had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and he didn't leave you where he found you? Oh, I'm talking about the transformative power of the Lord. I'm not preaching about evolution. I'm preaching about transfer. Listen, all it takes is one touch of the master's hand. Oh, it's good to evolve eventually, but I'm telling you today, the power of God is able to transform you suddenly. He's able to do an instantaneous work in your life. Hallelujah. Be not conformed to this world, the Bible says. But be ye, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the will of God. Transformation is the will of God. Hallelujah, you're becoming a new creation. That is the will of God. And can I tell you, just coming in and patty caking for Jesus a little bit, just coming in and hearing a feel-good message, just coming in and kind of connecting and doing a little bit of networking, that's not going to transform you. When I was young, when I was a kid growing up in Jackson, Mississippi, I used to... I used to sleep under the pews. Anybody else do that and grew up in the church? Those long church services, those Sunday nights, little kids start getting tired, and I'd be under, I'd be under that pew trying to sleep, but I'm having to dodge getting pierced through by high heels. <laughs> it was a moving target. Those ladies are dancing and shouting all around, and I'm just trying to sleep. Many times, listen, I would sleep through the entire service. Mom and dad would shake me, wake up, hey, church is over, baby, it's time to go. And I'd get up in a daze and look around and church is half empty and people already made their way out. And you know what, can I tell you something? I might have slept through it, but, but I was in the atmosphere. And I was able to recognize something just happened here. Like a bomb went off, you know. There, there, I, was, I could feel it. Even though I slept through it, I could feel the power of God in the atmosphere. Many times I could sense the peace of God in that place. And can I tell you today that it created a hunger in me as a young kid. It created a desire in me for the things of God because there is just something transformational that happens when the Spirit of God begins to move. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of that, I'm here to tell you today that we don't need to focus on being domesticated. Come on, Life Church. We don't need to focus on being more civilized. We don't need to try to be more proper. We don't need to try to be more stoic and staid. Listen, we need to continue to pursue the life-changing power of God. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit radical for Jesus. Come on, I said there's nothing wrong with being, with being a fanatic for Jesus. Come on, if you've got a problem with what I'm preaching today, you need to go read the book of Acts. We don't hold a light to some of those people. What we're doing is very, very sane compared to some of those crazies. There's nothing wrong with being radical for Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I, I, I want this to be a book of Acts, church. I, I want the book of Acts to perpetuate in the life, church. Oh, come on. It ended at the 28th chapter, but I say let's write the 29th chapter. Oh, I pray that we'd be sold out to the Lord. I pray that we'd get so fired up for Jesus that we don't care what anybody thinks about us. We've got a world to reach. We've got a family to save. Come on, it's not time to be civilized. There's too much at stake. There's heaven and hell in the balance. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. So when a new convert comes along and gets filled with the Holy Ghost and a new believer comes along and has an encounter with God and maybe they start praying a little bit more loudly than you're comfortable with or they start praising passionately or even wildly, listen, church, we don't need to tame them down. If anything, we need to get a hold of what they got a hold of. We need to let a little bit of what got on them get on us. Listen, I'm not saying to not do things decently in order. We're always going to have a plan. We're going to seek the face of God, but we need to let God be God. We need to let the Spirit of the Lord have its liberty in our midst. I'm not against studying. We need to study. We need to be disciples of the word. I'm not saying that knowledge and training aren't important. I think you all know me. I think you understand we believe in excellence around here. But can I tell you that we also believe in the anointing? I'm just trying to tell somebody today that Christianity was not intended to be tame. Living for Jesus is not for the faint of heart. The call to follow is not a call to comfort. Oh, hear me today. Come on, maybe God wants our faith to be untamed sometimes. Maybe God wants us to release our faith sometimes and believe him for big things and to believe him for bold things. Come on, maybe the Lord wants us to be a little bit radical. Maybe he just wants us to believe that he is really God and that he can do anything and that nothing is impossible to him. Come on, church. Maybe God just wants us to believe that mental illness can be healed. I declare it in Jesus' name. Maybe he wants us to believe that people really can get up out of wheelchairs and walk again. Maybe he wants us to be faith-filled. It's not time to be civilized. It's time for a move of God. It's time for a move of God. Oh, somebody call down heaven right now. Somebody call down heaven. Somebody get heaven's attention. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, oh God, invade this space, Lord. This is your house. This is your church. This is your church. Let it be what you want it to be. God, don't let it be what we make it to be. Let us be what you want us to be. Lord, let us follow the lead of your spirit. Lord, let us be obedient to your word. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to be people of faith. 
Aleluia. Hum. In our text, a man named Jephthah, he was, he was a little rough around the edges. I preached about him last year. Love preaching about him. But Jephthah, his followers, they were described as a band of worthless men. Certainly not civil. Definitely not sophisticated. And listen, and while they were out raiding and while they were out marauding, nobody needed Jephthah. Because listen, his own family didn't need him as long as they were safe. As long as they were secure. As long as things were going their way, they had no use for Jephthah. Mm. But when things begin to turn, when things begin to change, when they begin to deal with a little bit of opposition, when fear began to arise, when they didn't have the answer to the problem that was facing them, they began to say, hey, who do we know that knows how to fight this kind of battle? Come on, are you tracking with me right now? Who, who, who do we know? Who do we know that knows how to war this kind of warfare? Who, who do we know that's not afraid to get involved? Who, who do we know that knows how to roll up their sleeves and to march out and to stare the enemy in the face? When those kings of Ammon came against Israel with their united armies, uh, suddenly the elders said, hey, you know what? We need Jephthah. We need a warrior. <laughs> we need somebody who knows what fighting's all about. We need a barbarian. That's what they called him. We need a radical. They needed him in that moment. Listen, they needed somebody who was willing to go to war. They need somebody, they needed somebody who knew how to fight. They didn't need a professional diplomat. They didn't say, hey, we need, we need someone, someone who's a smooth talker and a skilled leader. No, we need the fighter. We need the warrior. We, we, we need that, per, we need, we, 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 we need that, that, that barbarian. We need him to come and lead. Listen. They needed somebody who wasn't scared to stand up and fight for the name of God. So somebody needs to get a hold of this today. Listen, you and I are in the war for our souls, and God is not looking for the polished, and God is not looking for the pretty. He is not looking for a church that is sanitized and beautified and has it all down pat. No, he's looking for some men of God and some women of God who says, I'm in a fight, and I'm not going down without a fight. He's looking for some warriors in this hour. Come on, we got to bring this thing home. We got to bring this thing home. He's looking for somebody who will get a little bit radical. You know what? I'll pray an hour. I'll be a part of that prayer chain. I'll fast. I'll give. I'll serve. Oh, praise God. Oh, pastor's... Going off the deep end. Pastor's getting a little carried away with this. You know, we just like nice church and let's just kind of come and let's just enjoy ourselves and let's just leave feeling better. Can I remind you that we serve a radical God? We serve, listen, we serve a God who caused a 90 year old lady to have a child. We serve a God when he decided it was time to call a people unto himself. He said, I'm going to use a 90-year-old lady. <laughs> that, that's pretty radical, isn't it? 
Come on, we, we serve a God who turned water into blood. He brought all kind of plagues against Pharaoh in Egypt. We serve a God. Listen, the people begin to murmur. They begin to complain. He was providing them supernatural manna every day. They didn't have to work for it. All they had to do was go out and gather it up. They got tired of that, God. You know, can, can, we, have, can we add something to the menu? Can we do something else? Can, can we do say, get something other than manna? And God got so agitated with the people, you know what he did? He called quail from the four corners of the earth, and he sent them so much quail. The Bible says that it would come out of their nostrils. I'm going to send you so much that it's just coming out of the orifice of your... That's pretty radical. Talking about a God who took to walking on the water. Said, gravity, you're going to have to sustain. You're going to have to step aside for a second. Gravity, you're going to have to be suspended for just a moment because there's a storm going on and my boys are out in a boat in the middle of the storm. And so I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something radical and I'm going to walk out to where they are. Come on, our radical God, he platted a whip. And he went into the temple and he began to turn over the tables and he said, you've made my house a den of thieves. I'm talking about a radical God. We don't have a savior today who came to help us to join hands and lead in singing Kumbaya, but he came to start a revolution. He came to turn religion on its head. He came to challenge the status quo. Come on, if you're uncomfortable, maybe you need to take another look at your God. If you're a little bit uncomfortable today, oh, you know what, I like church a little bit. I like the temperature to be lowered a little bit. I like for the excitement to be a little bit. Listen, you need to remind yourself who your God is. Our God is not safe. Our God is fierce. Uh, our God is sovereign. You know what that means? He'll do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it when he gets good and ready to do it. Think about this. John the Baptist, the hand-picked forerunner of Jesus. You know what his wardrobe consisted of? His clothes were made from camel's hairs. Probably didn't smell the freshest. And his, his, his menu, things that he liked to eat, he, he, he ate locusts and honey. The Bible says he didn't live in the city, but he lived in the wilderness. He lived in the wild, not exactly domesticated, right? Neither was his message. He didn't come saying, oh, you're, you're just a bunch of good people. Just do your best. Come on, you can just live your best life. That's not what he came saying. He came saying, you're a sinner, and you need to find an altar and repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways. That was his message. Listen, he, he, he didn't stop with, with calling the people to repent, but he preached to the preachers of his day. And you know what he called them? He called them a den of vipers. And then he said, the ax has been laid to the root of the tree. And he told those preachers, if you don't repent, you're going to be cut down. You know what? In our society, in our culture, there's, there's a lot of churches that wouldn't let John the Baptist come to their pulpit. Oh, he's too, too rough around the edges. He's too rude. He's too crude. 
He would be labeled as bombastic. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you what happened? He was out in the wilderness and people came from everywhere to hear this radical preacher preach. Hear me. He didn't go to them. They came to him. And when they came to him, they went down to that muddy Jordan River and he baptized them. And guess who showed up at John's radical revival? (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus came and Jesus got baptized. That's a pretty good revival. If you got Jesus showing up at your, that's a, listen, Jesus didn't say, oh, John's a little bit too radical. I need to go down here to the temple. I need to go down here to the synagogue where they kind of keep it on the DL. Hallelujah. Not only did John preach repentance, but he prophesied that Jesus was going to come after him and that he was going to baptize the people with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And we see right there in the book of Acts that the Holy Ghost was typified by a mighty rushing wind. And John said he's going to bring the Holy Ghost and he's going to bring fire. So there you've got wind and you've got fire. You got fire and you got wind. Can I tell you? those things can't be controlled those things can't be domesticated oh come on I need to tell somebody here today that Jesus didn't die so that you could live in safety he didn't give his life so you could live in comfort no he died so that you would be courageous so that you would be motivated to live your life for him Praise God. Matthew 11 and 12 tells us that from the days of John the Baptist until when? Come on, somebody shout, and until when? It's not time to be civilized. John the Baptist wasn't civilized. That early church wasn't civilized. And in those days of John the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? Is anybody experiencing a little bit of that in this day and age that we live in? The kingdom of God is going to suffer violence. But what do the violent do? The violent take it by force. Oh, come on, Jephthah. It's time to step up. It's time to fight the good fight of faith. Oh, praise God. Speaking of radical, I've already spoke about it earlier, but we had an incredible time in worship last Sunday. But church, we can't ever get to the point where we think that our worship needs to be toned down. We can't ever get to the point that we decide that we need to be more proper. You know what, we just seem to be a little bit more reserved. And we just seem to be a little bit more like him. And we just seem to be a, more, a little bit more like them. We, we, we can't get to the point that they were saying, hey, you know what, we, we, we need to tone things down because if we don't, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to turn some people off. We, we might offend somebody with our exuberance. We, we might offend somebody with, with our worship. Listen, think about it like this. Do, do you think that we ought to put a limit on miracles around here? Do do you think that we ought to limit the number of healings that take place? What about water baptisms and Holy Ghost and fillings? 
Should we limit that? Oh, you know, that pastor thinks they're getting a little bit out of hand. There's too much of that stuff happening. Too, 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 God's, you know, we're just kind of getting carried away with all the, every time, it's like every service, somebody's getting baptized and it's kind of getting a little bit overboard. Come on, pastor, we're making people uncomfortable with all the moves of God that we're having. Oh, come on, I don't know about you, but I'm still on a Holy Ghost high for those seven who were baptized. A couple, come on, I'm still rejoicing of those six people who were filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm still rejoicing over the testimonies of healings that have been shared around here recently. Is there anybody else? Come on, there are people in this church who are alive today that should be dead. Does that bother anybody? Is that upsetting anybody? No, I'm rejoicing over that. That'll never go old. I can't get too much of a move of God. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. So how could there ever be too much worship? If there's not too much, there's not too much baptisms, not too much healings, how could there ever be too much worship? Oh, we've been worshiping 40 minutes. 40 whole minutes. And that ball game last night was three hours long, but... Can there ever be such a thing as too much praise? Oh, does it ever bother anybody when a sinner walks through that do those doors and runs to an altar in repentance? Does that ever bother anybody? Does it ever bother anyone when a drug addict has their sins washed away in the waters of baptism? Listen, if that bothers you, then I just don't want to be civilized. It's not time to be civilized. I'm not interested in being domesticated. I want a move of God. I want to be in the middle of revival. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see souls saved. I want to see the captive set free. Oh, come on, I hope that doesn't offend you, but that's what we're about around here. That's our mission. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, I'm here to declare the call of Jesus is a radical call. The call of Jesus is gonna cost you something. The call of Jesus is going to involve sacrifice on your part. Let me remind you, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10 and 16, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound real safe, doesn't it? Doesn't sound real, you know, just comfortable. Sheep in the midst of wolves. But you know what? We can do it. We are sheep. Yeah, that, that's the metaphor in the Bible. We can do it. You say, you know, pastor, it's sheep against wolves. That's not a really fair, you know, listen, you're looking at the wrong thing. We're sheep, yes, but we're not, we're not called to fight those battles. If we'll let him, he'll fight that battle for us. 
So he says, you're sheep among wolves. In John 21, Jesus prophesied to Peter that when he was old, he told him, he's talking to him. He said, Peter, when you're old, there's going to come a time that you stretch out your hands. The very next verse in John 21 tells that that was to signify that the death that John, excuse me, that Peter would go on to die for the glory of God. Of course, history tells us uh, that that was indeed fulfilled and that Peter was crucified upside down. He didn't think himself worthy to be crucified like Jesus. And he said, you got to spin it. you got to turn me upside down. And that's the way that he died. But can you hear me today? Even though Jesus looked Peter in the eye, even though Jesus told Peter what was coming, even though he prophesied about how he was going to die in advance, the apostle Peter said, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to give my life for you. I'm still going to spend my life on your behalf. Oh, church, that's more than religion. That's radical. I said, that's radical. And it's going to take more than just going to a civilized and proper church service once a week. It's going to take more than just coming in and plastering a fake smile on ourselves and hearing a feel-good message. No, we've got to be transformed. We've got to be changed because we're in a battle. We're in a war. We're in a war. And there's some of us that need to go to war for our families. There's some of us that's in you say, devil, you've had your way long enough. You've messed around with me and my family long enough. You've picked on us long. We've dealt with your junk long enough. And there's some of you that need to let a spirit of Jephthah come upon you. There's some of you that need to begin to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your home. You need to look at the devil and say, not my house, devil. It's not going to happen here. Stand with me. Let me close with this. Church people eat all, all kind of crazy things. I'm, I'm one of them. Put it in front of me, I'll eat it. I've got to travel all over the world and some bizarre things. I'll eat it. People eat crazy things. People eat exotic things. I wonder if there's anybody here who, who likes mushrooms. I do. I like mushrooms. But imagine being the first person walking through a forest. Well, look at that. Thank God. Take me a big old bite out of that. Imagine being the first person to ever eat a poisonous mushroom. He only ate one. It's okay. I mean, imagine who, who was the first person who cracked open an oyster and thought, man, that looks yummy. I need to get that in my belly. What about snails? Listen, if you'll just call them escargot, it makes them more appetizing. But again, who looked down at those slimy things, leaving a trail of slime along the ground behind them and thought, you know what? I might be on to something here. 
Well, I just cooked that a little bit. Sure, but tastes great. Pastor and author Erwin McManus came to the conclusion that the reason why someone ate these foods for the first time was simply because they were hungry. They were hungry. I wonder today, is there anybody who's hungry for a move of God in your life? Oh, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to give up. I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I just need a move of God. Is there anyone who wants a move of God that would save your entire family from the perils of this wicked world? Come on, if so, you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to get beyond yourself. You've got to be willing to move beyond your pride. You've got to be willing to set protocol aside and forget about your image. Oh, I've got to have a touch of God. I've got to be transformed. I've got to be, I, I'm, not so, I, I'm not satisfied with just coming and leaving the same way. I'm not satisfied with just coming and going through some spiritual motions, but I've got to be transformed. Come on, is anybody hungry today? Come on, are there any Jephthahs in the house? Is there anybody who say, I might not have it all figured out, but I know how to fight? Is there anybody here today that say, you know what? I might not be the professional Christian. I might not be the most polished, but I know how to fight. And I'm ready to fight. And I'm ready to go to war. And I'm ready to intercede. And I'm ready to travail. Come on, church. It's not time to be civilized. It's not time to care what anybody thinks about you. Come on, I'm ready for people to be loosed from demonic spirits. I'm ready for lives to be rearranged by the mighty hand of God. I'm ready for tumors to melt off of bodies in the presence of the Lord. Come on, it's happened in this church before. I say let it happen again. I say let it happen again. It's okay to be a little bit radical. It's okay to be a little bit radical with your prayer. It's okay to be a little bit radical with your faith. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.